0: We always had animals when I was growing up. I was born into the house and we had animals, so that's the only thing I ever knew.
1: What's your dog's name? Dust. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today we're talking about those non-human members of our families, our pets. Now, pets are not people, we all know that, but they are also not plants or rocks. So, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, animals have souls because they are living. They're just a different kind of soul. By the way, plants have souls too because they're alive. But no, your pet's soul is not immortal, and your pet doesn't have the same kind of freedom that you do. Okay, fine. Now that we've established that, let's talk about what pets bring to us as people and families. I have a cat, by the way. His name is Fitzwilliam. He's adorable.
2: My name is Sarah Coffey, and I'm 25 years old, and I live in St. Louis, Missouri, with my husband, Jesse, and our little adopted cat named Stella.
1: I found Sarah via a piece she wrote on her blog. I'll link to it on the show notes. She grew up with lots of animals.
2: Well, my brother and I grew up in something of a zoo, but it was great. The first pet that I really was able to call my own was a little gray and white kitten that I got when I was four years old. And I named her Figaro after the cat in the Disney movie Pinocchio, because that was my favorite movie at the time. And she actually lived to be 20 years old, and she was my sweet little study buddy. She would always curl up next to me when I was studying all through high school and college, and she was just a sweetheart.
1: I hope you remember that animated cat, Figaro, because that cat was so cute. But the real life Figaro had to compete with a dog for attention.
2: We also had Josie, and she was this gorgeous Dalmatian dog, and we got her shortly after we got Figaro. And people, told my parents, often that Dalmatians would not be good with little kids, but she was the most amazing family dog. And she put up with so much. We dressed her up in Halloween costumes and took her on tons of road trips and hiking. She just, she put up with all of it and she loved it all.
1: And for a little exotic twist, Sarah and her brother also grew up competing on horseback.
2: We had two horses that we really considered pets. And I think our best memories were with them. It wasn't with, you know, winning awards or competing or anything. Their names were Mickey and Willie, and they, like Josie, put up with quite a bit. How did that start? The story kind of goes is how we got into it is I was really shy and quiet when I was um, like four and five years old, and my mom wanted me to get into something that would just build my confidence and help me kind of come out of my shell, and so that's where horses came in, and my brother and I started taking lessons. I was 4, he was 2, I believe. And we it was a big part of our lives throughout our entire childhood. So, did it work? Definitely. I I often got the horses that weren't that some they had, you know, little behavioral quirks and that really didn't bother me. It was a matter of learning how to respect the horse and working with them. It wasn't um, it wasn't a source of frustration if they weren't perfect, and I think that kind of goes with all of our pets. You know, none of them are perfect. All of them have some little weird quirk, and and the, the, the horses were the exact same way, but that's kind of what made it fun.
1: We're going to stay with that idea for a bit. Pets really are little individuals. They are all very different.
0: And they're very different personalities from each other. Like Sally does not like to be picked up at all. But she loves laying on my lap. If I'm laying on the bed, she wants to be on top of me. So, like, she likes being on me, but she does not like being carried or picked up. Where Harry, that doesn't bother him in the least. Sally, when there's medical stuff I have to do to her, she doesn't like it, but she kind of puts up with it. Harry will fight me on it.
1: (laughs) This is Father Brian Mahoney. When my coworker Katie heard that I was working on an episode on pets, She said, I had to interview Father Mahoney because he writes about his cats in the parish bulletin.
0: I am Father Brian Mahoney. I am a priest of the Archdiocese of Boston. I've been ordained for uh, a little over 23 years, and I right now serve at the Chelmsford Catholic Collaborative. And I've been here for three years, and I am serving two parishes, the parishes of St. John's and St. Mary's.
1: The cats are named Harry and Sally. Father was quick to note that he did not name them.
0: No, no. So basically what happened, the reason I got the cats was I have a friend. Her name is Kelly. Kelly and I literally grew up together. Her mom and my mom, best friends forever. And I've known Kelly my whole life. Kelly was getting married, and unfortunately her fiancé was extremely allergic to cats. Um, He tried taking the shots so that he could live with the cats, but... They only lasted a few hours, and then he would start filling up again. And so she knew if she was going to be married to him, she had to get rid of the cats. And so one day we were talking, and at that point I was living completely by myself in a parish. Uh, It was a small parish in uh, Shorban, Massachusetts, called St. Teresa's. And I really kind of assumed I would be living alone the rest of my priesthood at that point. And so I knew Kelly was really, this was really bothering her a lot. So I said to her, look at Kelly, if you can't find someone else, I'll take the cats for you.
1: So Harry and Sally came to the rectory. They are very different personalities, but there's a couple of things that they both love.
0: It's not unusual for me to come home at the end of the day and for them to greet me at the door. Or both of them love drinking out of the the faucet, particularly the bathtub. It'll be funny. They'll, like, push each other out of the way or they'll sit in the bathtub and just start crying until I turn on the faucet so they can start drinking out of it.
1: But Harry is the real love bug.
0: Harry, Harry will just sort of flap over if I pick him up and just start purring.
1: Bishop Van's two dogs also have that distinction.
0: It's
3: Bishop Kevin Van, from Orange, California. Gracie's very, very affectionate. I mean, she'll sit up in your lap all the time. Griffin, well, too, he's a little more independent.
1: Gracie and Griffin are known to a lot of Catholics in the Orange Diocese as G and G.
3: I have two dogs. I've got them a year apart. The first one's a Lhasa Apso Terrier mix. His name is Griffin. And the other one's a little Cocker Spaniel. Got her a year later. Her name is Gracie. And they're about the same age, about five years old.
1: Bishop Van adopted both G's from an animal shelter. And they were both trained by someone in prison through the program, Pathways to Hope.
3: I adopted him through a program called Pathways to Hope, or Cell Dogs, where, where the in the prison inmates train the dogs. You can Google that and find it out. And so he was trained in the women's prison in Chino for about three months to once. And, he, and then he went back for a refresher, but he was a really good dog. He's really a good dog. Uh, no accidents or anything like that, you know.
1: Bishop Van likes to take his dogs to work once in a while, and also on certain visits.
3: But Griffin and Gracie are a lot of fun. I take them to the office one day a week. And then I usually take them to some of our parishes where they have schools and walk around. And the dogs have great dispositions. You know, I always take them on a leash.
1: They are a bit famous on Twitter.
3: Sometimes I dress them up at Christmas time. I got these costumes and stuff, you know.
1: What do you dress them out at? Well, you know,
3: red things at Christmas, Christmas and Halloween costumes and those kind of things.
1: Did I mention that G&G can do tricks?
3: And the Pathways to Hope program taught them some tricks. If I put a box of Kleenex on the floor and act like I'm going to sneeze, Gracie will bring me the Kleenex.
1: And their most appropriate trick, as dogs belonging to the bishop, is...
3: But also, Miriam, who's my secretary, and I taught them how to pray. So if you tell Griffin to pray, he'll jump up on his hind legs and put his paws there like that. I said, Gracie, okay, you pray, put your head down, she'll put her head down between her paws.
1: Now, Gracie and Griffin can look like they are praying, but Father Mahoney's cats join him when he prays.
0: I go to sit in the chapel for the Blessed Sacrament, and pretty much it's pretty normal for one or both of them to come into the chapel with me. And many times I'll be sitting and praying, and they'll be laying on my lap, and I'll be sitting and patting them. They'll be purring. I'll be praying. Uh, you'd think it'd be a distraction, but it's actually not. It actually helps me to sort of stay, it helps me, does actually, it can help me to stay a little more focused.
1: It's harder to get stuck in your head when there's a furball purring in your lap.
0: It just reminds me that God is mysterious in how he gets us to hear him, and he has used the cats many times in my life to get me to hear him. And mainly it's just to get out of my own head uh, and to sort of focus outward. The cats are just very good at that, and... I miss them when they're not in the chapel with me because, I don't know, I just, I find it a lot of fun having them there. And I kind of think that they're praying with me as I'm praying.
1: Father Mahoney has also brought the cats to say hi to the kids at the parish.
0: I've actually brought the cats into, like, uh, religious education, faith formation classes, and the kids love it.
1: Animals also just cause a lot of amusement.
0: My last assignment, I was at St. Francis and it, and... There were some bird feeders that were in the. I had a back deck, um, and we had a sliding glass door. And what I used to love watching these two cats do, because they they were in, they've always been indoor cats. As a matter of fact, you open the door and they run away. They have no inch The outside is a bad place as far as they're concerned. And so what always fascinated me is I'd sit and watch them, just sit and stare at the birds. And they would would do that little chattering that cats do. And they would spend hours just sitting and looking at the birds and yelling at them.
1: My cat does that chattering thing sometimes when he's watching birds at the window. And I don't know why, but it really lifts my heart in a huge way. If you're not an animal person, you may not get that, but it really does. I can't not smile if I see and hear him doing that thing. Here, I'll try to do it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they just bring joy and laughter into my life and they help me um, sometimes to stop focusing on myself and at the end of a long day it's nice to come home to them because I don't have to talk to them <laughs> quite like I have to talk to human beings so at the end of the day it's kind of nice to just have them there and they you know sit on my lap they start purring there's something consoling and soothing about the cats purr and just being on you and sort of that connection with something else. So for me, I think that's what animals do. They they can bring us sort of out of ourselves. They, Again, every study has shown this, so it's not just my thinking this. They really can have, They lower stress. They bring that sense of joy and into pretty much any situation I'm dealing with.
1: Amen. Let's stay with this idea that having a pet is good for one's health. Here's Bishop Van again.
3: They really have been been real good for me. I mean I walked I need to walk, so I walk them in the evening. And it's always you know, as dogs do, when you come home they're so happy to see you. And they're well behaved.
1: Often when it's a family pet, the burden of care falls on the parents. My seven year old goddaughter and I talked about that. Who takes care of him?
4: Mostly mommy.
2: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think when you get older you'll take care of him? Yeah. There's potential here for the kids taking on some responsibility. Claire definitely loves having a dog around. Are you glad that you have Docs Dino? Yes, because
4: he's like so cute and fluffy and sometimes when when I like I like like taking his doggy away and throwing it. The fairy family also has
1: a cat. What's your cats
4: name? Lily. What kind of cat is she?
1: Then is Lily a Russian blue cat? Uh, partly. And the kids are attuned to wildlife in their neighborhood. Cousin Adelaide wanted to talk about birds.
4: Red birds or cardigans? Car- cardinals. cardinals? Yes. And also...
0: Do you like the, birds? Wait,
4: what color yes. is the male or the... Which? Okay. The reds. Color
5: so, is the gold. Um... Are we talking about cardinals? Yes. Talking about what critters. color is the girl cardinal? So, a girl cardinal has hints of red, but they are mostly brown. And one really interesting fact is um, when parakeets get older, you can tell if they're male or female really easily because the um, yeah. piece of skin at the top of their beaks, um, for females, it'll turn a dark reddish pink and um, males, it'll turn a blue.
1: Really? Yes. What
4: else do you want to say about birds, Bailey? Um, like the yellow
1: birds are kinda nice. Are they? Do you do you see them outside your window? Yes. And do you nice. have a bird feeder? Uh, yes. We
4: have a bird feeder and we haven't put at, uh, any bird seed in it yet because it's so cold. We don't think the birds, I don't think the birds will come out. Yeah because it's so cold, but they might.
1: There are also foxes and large birds around.
4: Oh, I actually saw a fox running through somebody's yard when I was going to school one time. We were in the car. Yeah,
5: one so time cool. I was walking home from the bus stop, and there was this one run-down abandoned house. The old dilapidated garage was the fox's home. So one of the, like, little, the little babies walked up to me So I just, like, I backed away, because I was like, if it's a cub, then it's a mom. So run away, people.
1: Now when Sarah was a kid, she had to take care of Josie, the Dalmatian, with her brother. Josie had epilepsy.
2: Got her medication, and it really became my brother and I's responsibility to make sure she got that medication so she wouldn't have more seizures and of course my parents you know were supervising making sure everything was okay but it was really it kind of instilled in us a sense of duty and responsibility because we loved our little dog so much and we knew the consequences if we got lazy or careless and didn't give her her medication she would suffer and this kind of grew as she got older and diagnosed with congestive heart failure um it kind of just magnified that sense of duty and responsibility of taking care of her, because she depended on us.
1: Sarah sees pets as one way that human beings can learn bigger life lessons.
2: Pets don't just provide companionship for families, for kids and parents, but they also um, they provide a lot of opportunities for some really great life lessons. And one of those is compassion and suffering, learning to, you know, have a big heart. And, you know, when you watch an older pet by the sickness or when you have to make the decision to let them go peacefully when the time comes, that's, you know, making a lot of selfish decisions, selfless, sorry, decisions for the sake of the animal, even though they're, they might be really hard for you to make.
1: And animals should be treated well and cared for.
2: Learning how to respect God's creation, learning that, you know, animals aren't here for your own entertainment and you can't and shouldn't, just discard them when there's a struggle or when the new wears off. And unfortunately, you know, it's not it's not automatic that if you have a pet, you're going to learn these things because animal shelters are full of dogs and cats whose owners just abandon them or abuse them or whatever.
1: Sometimes the animal is cuddly and purring, but other times the animal is in pain or is acting out or is knocking something off the
2: top shelf and breaking it. Having pets has the potential to bring selflessness out of parents and kids, as you take care of an animal throughout its whole life, on good days and bad days.
1: Sarah showed sacrificial love when Figaro was sick.
2: One virtue that you can learn probably the most is just self-sacrificial love, and I learned this from my sweet girl Figaro, who I mentioned, when she was about 15 years old, she got really sick, and we had to give her. I had to give her fluids at home through an IV, just sticking the needle in her back and and waiting for her to absorb the the fluids and lots of medication and and lots of time spent going back and forth from the vet to get her healthy. And it's time that I could have spent elsewhere. I was in college at the time, so there was a lot going on. And it was a lot of early mornings and late nights taking care of her and making sure she was comfortable. But it was Totally worth it to see her healthy and comfortable again once we got through all that. And then, when it was time to say goodbye to Figaro. At the end of her life, when she got really sick again and stopped eating, having to make the decision to let her go peacefully when it was, you know, it was the best thing for her, even though it was emotionally really, really hard on me. Having pets and taking them through those hard times. It really teaches you to choose what's best for your pet. I had to choose what was best for Figaro. Not what was best for me emotionally, but it really teaches you love, and that's willing the good of the other. And I think that this being applied to many other situations in my pet-owning life, um, it's definitely influenced my understanding and application of what self-sacrificial love is in other areas.
1: Yes, it's an animal, but this sacrificial love muscle is the same one that you need for marriage and parenting.
2: Ultimately, I think pets and animals are God's beautiful creation, and it's really up to us to care for them, to respect them, to give them the best life that we can. And in doing so, they really teach us how to love and give of ourselves, which it absolutely translates in other aspects of life, especially family life and in marriage.
1: Sarah and her husband are currently practicing this love with their kitty cat Stella, she has been a challenge.
2: We'd be playing with a toy, and she'd just latch onto an arm or a leg or a foot, and wouldn't really let go. So it was kind of a painful process at first. And you know, we all want our pets to be sweet and snuggly, but at the end of the day, they're animals, and so it really kind of helped me learn even more how to be patient with her. And just sometimes they need more space need more patience especially when they have come from a background that's been particularly rough um, if they were feral or abused or whatever. Stella is starting to get it. She's really beginning to learn that there are boundaries and that we can play but not attack and so that's been really fun to watch with her.
1: The fairy's cat Lily is still learning.
4: But when she bites me it doesn't really hurt. Also when she scratches me it kind of hurts. Because I've had her scratch me a lot.
1: Cousin Zaylee isn't so sure about that.
4: But two times glad
0: me.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. So I fought getting a cat for a while because I don't like how their fur gets everywhere. But as my mom put it, what's a little fur between friends? And Fitzy brings a lot of joy into my life. Seeing his little face waiting at the window is pretty much the best. So if your kids have been begging you for a pet, I hope this episode nudges you a little bit in that direction. Oh, and if you've ever wondered what break time sounds like at the USCCB meetings, here's a clip. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project By sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.